Okay. Yeah, that's beautiful, wasn't that? His name is wonderful, isn't he? Hallelujah. Well, this series of uh, words and messages that uh, Nathan has uh, sought the Lord and directed us to is about what we were hearing just earlier on. It's about exchange. But it's more than about exchange. It's about divine exchange. So we were hearing last week about, you know, uh, anxiety for peace. Hallelujah. Anxiety for strength. Anxiety for sustaining grace. Praise his name. And I want to, you know, I want to speak this morning and bring for you a word on unity for division. Right? God wants to bring unity for division. Where there is division, he wants to replace it by unity. Because it's about exchanging gifts. Now, I don't know if any of you have noticed, but at this time of the year, people are clearing all the cupboards out. Yeah? Now, I'm not looking anywhere. Right? But I feel sorry for Nathan. I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, people are just... And toys, you know, they're all going. And why are they going? They're going, I hope, Nathan, to make room for new. Right? They're going, you know, our, our grandkids are finally, finally beginning to clear some of the cupboards out. You know, they've got, they've got a loft each. They've got a loft out. Not the grandkids, but the parents. And... It's full of toys, but they're finally getting rid of them. Now they're getting rid of them so that they can have new. Can I tell you something this morning, church? God is a master of new for old. Yeah? He's a master of new for old. And if we're talking about gifts... Let me just read to you verse here in, uh, in James chapter 1. You want good gifts? You want perfect gifts? James says, every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, what he's saying is, he's not He doesn't change. Our Father doesn't change. And He's always ready to give good gifts to His children. I want to tell you, I want to tell you this morning, I can trace everything, and I mean this sincerely with all my heart, I can trace every good thing that has happened in my life my career, my wife, I'm going to get in good books now, <laughs> our children, you know, our home, our homes that we've had, I can trace it all to a day in September 1966 when I said, Lord, I want you to come into my life. And I just bowed my knee. 
I bowed my knee in the front of probably hundreds of other people um, with a little old lady praying for me. I bowed my knee to Jesus Christ. And I can, I, I can genuinely say as I look back, you know, and that doesn't mean that everything has been plain sailing. Believe me, it hasn't been. But the, the, the discipline that he's brought into my life, the direction that he's brought into my life, the friends that he's brought into my life, it's, it's just brought good and perfect gifts. I want to take you right back, right back to a place when it was perfect. To Eden. To a place called Eden. And I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about something down the southwest. Right? Talking about the garden that God prepared for mankind. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful garden. God prepared the garden. A garden that was, didn't, you know, we've had some rain lately, haven't we? Yeah? Who likes rain? Not many hands going up. Well, I guess there are some people who would like some rain some places in the world. But, you know, it's not something, I mean, we go without it for any time. We're soon wanting it. But we've had plenty of rain this last month. Do you know, it didn't rain in Eden. It didn't rain in Eden. The, in fact, the first time they, they saw rain was actually in the time of Noah. Because the ground was watered at night by the dew that fell upon it. Eden was a beautiful place. Everything was available. Everything was available for Adam and Eve. God made it, made it all available for them. Except one thing. He said, Lord, it's all here for you. It's amazing, isn't it? That, and you know, we're no different. I'm sorry, we're no different. We, you, tell our, you tell your children, if you haven't found this already, you'll find that you'll tell your children you can have everything. You know, they might have all the toys out, and you say, well, look, I, you, can have, you can play with all those. But you can't touch this. It's going to be that that they want to touch. Isn't it? You know that really expensive vase. That Ming Dynasty vase. They're going to want to play with. Jimmy's going to want it on his head. You know. And here we have. We have Adam and Eve. They had everything. But they took of that that they should not have taken. And the most incredible tragedy took place right at that time. I'm talking division. I'm talking separation. I'm talking a, 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 a gulf so wide. What happened was that as they took what they should not have taken, a division took place. A spiritual division took place between Adam and Eve and the Almighty. You see, there were times, the Bible says, in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve communed with God Almighty. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine 
being there and knowing that the Almighty was going to come into your garden, into your place of residence. And I would love to have been in some of those conversations. We know some of the conversations that took place, actually, because, because God gave into their hands uh, what they wanted to name the animals. Yeah. So I know some of the conversations took place, but, you know, we, we will never know just all the beauty of that fellowship with God Almighty. But when they, when they did what they shouldn't have done, separation took place and and that relationship that they had was completely and absolutely broken at that moment in time they were separated from the relationship and ultimately they were separated from the garden and the future that they could have had was lost church there was a time when we were separated yeah there was a time when we were estranged there was a time when we didn't have that relationship with God that now we know and if you don't know it this morning if you haven't got the relationship that I'm talking about the relationship that is it's like this can I tell you it's like this I can wake up in the middle of the night and if there's something on my heart I can bring it to somebody who's listening. Yeah. I can get up in the morning and I can know that my salvation is assured. I can get up in the morning and I can go to God's word and you know he just talks with me. He talks with me. He just speaks spirit with spirit. And I can talk to him like my best friend. I can bring my successes to him. I can bring my failures to him. And he still feels the same about me as what he always has. Hallelujah. But we were. Scripture tells us the fact is our disobedience and our Choices. Some of the choices that we made were not in the purpose of God. We, our lives had left the union that he always intended. Ephesians 2 verse 13 says this. I love this. And, and before anybody comes to me after the service, I know that the whole context of it is talking also about the children of Israel and, and the commonwealth of Israel and the fact that, you know, we are part of that now. But, but just, just grasp this, will you? You, you were far away. You were far off. Far off from what? Far off from the relationship that God wanted for our lives. But we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. We who were far off have been brought into a unity and a union through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
Ephesians that is, Ephesians 2 and verse 13. Isaiah tells us this, Isaiah 53 and verse 6 tells us this, about that estrangement, about that gap, about that division, all, all of us, all of us, that means the most perfect amongst us. There was a time when all of us like sheep had gone astray. Astray from where? Astray from God. Astray from a loving father. Astray from a faithful friend. Astray, astray from someone who wanted to walk with us in our daily lives. We were astray from it. 1 Peter 2 verse 10. He says... Peter says this, folks, you were not a people. You were not a people. In other words, you know, we weren't, we weren't recognized as the people of God. But now, we were estranged, we were far away. But now, now we are the people of God. We had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. Can I just remind us today? Yeah, I know we're, com we're coming up to Christmas. It's not far away, isn't it? But can I remind us that Christmas is about the cross? It's about the cross. The cross has made the difference. The cross, the cross has bridged that division. The cross has brought about that union that we could never bring. The cross has done it all. That's why Paul the Apostle, that's why Paul the Apostle says this, look, folks, I'm not going to preach anything else other than this. Jesus Christ crucified. Now, you've only got to read his letters. Yeah, he, he did speak and teach on many, many other issues, laying down foundations for us as Christians. But friends, we all need to come back to this. The cross made the difference. The cross made this unity and union with our Heavenly Father. It made it all possible. The blood that He shed, the atonement, the price that He paid, it made it all possible. And I know, I know friends, there had to be a resurrection and there had to be an ascension. But listen, listen, before all that, the, the price had to be paid. A price that would bring an eternal and loving God into connection with those who were far, far away. And a unity, not only with God through the cross, but can I tell you, can I encourage you, a unity with one another. A unity with one another. What have we got in common? You know, there may be very, very few things that really, in real terms, we have in common one with another. But one thing we know, friends, one union, one deep-seated union and unity that, that is bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Why? First of all, I want to say this, that God. Why? is because God is a God of unity. 
God is a God of unity. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Again, Paul the Apostle is saying, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Let's, let's get this next verse, shall we? Endeavoring. In other words, making the effort. Making the effort through all, those, through all those other things, through loneliness and gentleness and brotherly love, endeavoring. And listen, you know, we're real in this church, aren't we? Yeah. God, God is not creating a plastic church, friends, here, J28. He's creating, I believe, authentic people. Sometimes, sometimes it isn't easy with one another. You know, sometimes you're going to have disagreements with one another. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, somebody's going to say the wrong thing, even, even if it's not intentional. Nathan touched on it last week as well. But, you know, we have to put work, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Hallelujah. We'll carry on reading. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is, I want you to, I just want you, as we read these last couple of verses, I want you to note how often the Paul the Apostle refers to the unity, to the oneness that is in the, that is in the Godhead. He says, there is, first of all, one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Yeah, that, what, a, what a picture of unity. I mean, there's a message in just, in just that verse. But I'm going to move on. Because when... I just, in trying to show you the picture of unity that is the Godhead, when the decision was made to make man in God's image, it was done in perfect unity. Let us, the scripture tells us, let us make man. They were there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When Jesus when the ministry of Jesus was launched into the world, the Godhead were there. Perfect and absolute unity. The Father declaring his recognition and the Holy Spirit descending as a dove in silent approval. Having looked at that unity, having looked at the union that was there in the Godhead. I want to say, first of all, first point is this. God is our example. God is our example. Never, church, God never requires anything of us that he is not, first of all, going to do. He never asks us for something he never asks us to be something that he is not already there. 
He never, he ne- he never, he, he never leads from the back. He leads from the front. And can I, can I say, church, to we as leaders and to all, all who are here this morning who would be leaders, let's lead by example. Let's lead by example. That's why Paul the Apostle writing to the Corinthians, he says this. He says, look, Corinthian church, follow me. But then we've got to read the next next part of that sentence. He says, follow me. In other words, follow my example, even as I follow Christ. Yeah? Let's leaders, would-be leaders, those who would be in a position of responsibility and authority. Let's set the example. Let's be the people. Let's be the let's be the people who are here in church. Let's be the people who are here in church on time. Let's be the people who are in the prayer meeting and in the Bible study. Let's be the people who are available as leaders and would be leaders. Ephesians 4. Coming back to that, to, to that verse, in the, in the verses we read, and a call, they're a call for unity in the church, a call to gentleness, and a call to an appreciation of each other. We just have to look at him, don't we? And see that he was the first to love. He was the first to love. We love him this morning, don't we? But you know something? We love him because he first loved us. Yeah? We love him. He was the first to love. He was the first to forgive. So he has the right to ask us to forgive. He asks us to be one as he is one. I just want to share an illustration with you that really spoke to me. If I can do it justice. But... When pianos are tuned, and it's probably different now, because we, and we've got some skilled musicians here, so I just have to try and get my facts right, uh, and I'm sure they will correct me afterwards if not. But my understanding, shall I say, is when pianos are tuned, um, they used to be tuned with a, with a tuning fork, in actual fact, yeah? yeah? Now I think it's all electronic, but anyway... But when they are tuned, pianos aren't tuned from another, uh, from another piano, right? They're tuned, they're tuned from something else that has a perfect, perfect pitch. They're not tuned from each other. Because in so doing, they all sound in unity. Not because of the other pianos, but because they reflect the sound of the tuner. Yeah. We need to reflect the sound of the tuner, don't we? If we're going to be in unity, if we're going to be in harmony, if we're going to be in union one with another in this place of gentleness and care and love, then... Don't be looking at the other person across from you. Look to the master tuner. Let's let's keep our eyes upon him. 
And let's walk in tune with him. As we turn our eyes to him and not others, division is replaced by pure unity. A.W. Tozer, he said this, he said, I just quote, let us live near to Christ. For this is the best way of promoting unity. Divisions in churches never begin with those full of love to the Savior. He who lives near to Jesus, who wears his likeness and copies his example, will be wherever he goes, a sacred bond, a holy link to bind the church together more closely than ever it could be. Yeah. Let's, let's let him be the tuning fork within our lives. Let us be examples, but let us be examples of him. Second, very quickly, God's purposes do not mean unity at any price. God's purposes do not mean unity at any price. If you read Genesis chapter 1, you will find, you will find that, that it, would, it wouldn't have been right, it wouldn't have been real unity to leave Adam and Eve in that garden. It would have completely messed their life up and messed everything up. There, there had to be a point at which God needed to separate them. He needed to move them out. If you read Genesis chapter 1, you will find that, that the world was in chaos and disorder. And the reason it was in chaos and disorder is because in the heavenlies, Satan sought to overthrow the Almighty. And he brought division. He brought division and disruption he divided, can you believe it? He divided one third of heaven. Of the myriads, myriads of angels. He brought one third of heaven. And why? Because pride had entered his heart. And, and he wanted, he wanted to, be, to be number one. He wanted to be heard above everybody else. He wanted to be God. And there was no way, no way God wasn't going to say, well, for the sake of unity, we'll just, we'll just ignore that. No. God will not, God will not compromise unity at any, uh, at, at, at any price. He will not. They were cast out and unity was restored in the heavens. There was no way there was no way that Jesus would compromise when he was tested in the wilderness. When he was offered so much. When he was offered so much that, you know, that looked as though, you know, it was the best way to go. He would not compromise. C.H. Spurgeon says this, speaking of pride. He says pride is the mother of division. 
Pride is the mother of division. That self-same pride is often right behind every division and separation that takes place. Spurgeon goes on to say, the union, just hear me on this, I believe it's such powerful, uh, powerful uh, comment that C.H. Spurgeon makes. He says, the union which is not based upon the truth of God is a conspiracy rather than a communion. A conspiracy rather than a communion. You know, I believe that God is, wants to bring us into that place of absolute and beautiful communion with him. That is pure unity in the spirit. And that doesn't mean I, I'm quick to say this. That doesn't mean that we have any right to be disrespectful to any that we don't agree with. That doesn't mean that we have to put down somebody else because we may, you know, I may not, I may not actually go into business with them, whether it's natural business or the Lord's business. I may not do that, but I'm not going to put them down. And it's sad. It's sad that so often situations arise and it's like, if you're not, if, 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 you know, if you're not going to agree with me, I'm going to have nothing to do with you again. And that isn't the spirit of Christ. Whatever, the love of God should always be our rule. Then we see Jesus again. He wouldn't compromise his call to those who he called to follow him. To those who even seemed as though they were eager to follow him. The rich young ruler. The men who wanted to wait till they had more time. More opportunity or more convenience. You read them. We haven't got time this morning. But read about them in Luke chapter 9. Verse 57 and 62. And why is that? Why is it? Why is it that truth is more important than just togetherness? And the reason is this. The reason is this, because God wants us to have the real thing. We want the real thing, don't we? Unity is not togetherness. Unity is not just togetherness. It's not just doing things together. True unity with each other is the result of our unity with God. And it's important for us, church. It's important for us to know, and I hope you've got the message here, that God values real unity. Not just uniformity. Not being the same. But the unity that Paul speaks about there in Ephesians. A unity in the Spirit. Hallelujah. He values unity. In fact, he so values it. And th- these, are, these are frightening verses here in Proverbs. Because we don't, we don't often hear from this platform about God hating something, do we? But it's, this is the word, isn't it? Is this the word of God? Are we going to leave Proverbs 6 out of our reading? Are we going to read it out of our word? Six things the Lord hates, Proverbs tells us. 
Yes, seven. seven. Strong words. Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord, disunity, division among brethren. That's how much. That's, just turn the negative into a positive for a moment. That's how much God values real unity. He's prepared to say, I hate that that causes disunity. On a positive side, Colossians 3, and we haven't got time to discuss these, but just let the word of God touch your heart as we read them. Colossians 3, verse 12 to 15, he says, As the elect of God, holy and beloved. He's talking to us, isn't he? To the church. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, you want, to, you want to know how to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit? That's how to do it. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of of perfection in other words put on love which binds you all together in perfect harmony philippians 2 therefore if there is any consolation in christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any affection and mercy fulfill you my joy by being like-minded Having the same love. Being of one accord. Of one mind. Let nothing. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not on the things of his own interest. But also on the interest of others. 1 Peter 3 verse 8. Finally. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. I tell you, they're high, they're high standards, aren't they? You know, I believe, I believe in these days which God is directing us as a church here at J28. He is he's coming along and he's, he's feeding meat into our souls because he is equipping us for what he desires us to be, to use us. You know, we've, there's always been a time for every one of us, when we've needed milk, right? We've, you know, we've, 
We've needed to be, to be encouraged in the sense of, you know, we've needed holding up sometimes. I believe God is saying to us, J28, I've held you up. It's time to go and hold other people up. I've fed you. It's time for you to go and feed other people. I've nourished you. J28, there are hungry, spiritually hungry people out there. Go out as a church, as one, as one mind, as one body. AWT, can I say, you know, we'll never rise to that standard. We'll never rise to that standard on our own. We can only rise to it when we walk in him, when we seek after it, when we put into practice all of those things that I've just read to us, read to us. And can I say, can I say, friends, church, when we are real unity, the unity that we're talking about here, unity in spirit, it has a practical outworking within the church, right? It's not... It's not going to be, uh, and please forgive me, you know, let me tell you, prayer is so invaluable. I believe prayer is invaluable within the church. But, but if we've got the means, if we've got the wherewithal within our heart to minister into somebody else's need, we need to do more than pray. If we're united, if we're joined together in this bond of love, yeah, yeah, pray for me. But you know, sometimes I might need you to come along and walk with me as well. I might sometimes need you to come along and join, join yourself at my side to support me as well. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, this, this is unity as a practical and wonderful outworking. And we can't do it on our own. We can only do it. We can only do it through his strength. That's why I started right at the beginning there with the reality of what Jesus has done for us in, in, in bridging that divide, in opening up to us a unity that is possible through his death and resurrection. And just as he did it for us right in the beginning, that's the way that it continues. That's the way that it's established. That's the way that it becomes a foundation within our lives, the same way through the cross. A.W. Tozer, he said this, the first ingredient for unity is life in Christ. The first ingredient for unity is life in Christ. Smith Wigglesworth said this, regeneration or the new birth, quite simply. The new birth in Christ brings us into harmony and union with God and each other. It has to start there. It has to start with him. It has to start at the cross. It has to start with putting down the old nature that seeks to rise up in our lives and, and dominate us. I want to tell you, the cross defeated the old nature. There's new. There's new for old 
here this morning. There's new for old. Here, we will just reach out and say, God, this is what I want. This is, this is the nature that I want. This is the unity. It's, yeah, it's, this unity in the spirit will bring us together. It will bring us together in exploits for Jesus. It will bring us together in building his church. It will bring us together in enterprises that glorify his name. But it has to start. It has to start with an acknowledged unity of him. We go on holiday to Torquay and, uh, and when we go down there we join with one of the churches down there and we go and worship in the church. Can I tell you, I don't see, the, I don't see those folks you know, from one year to the next. But you know when I walk in, when I walk in, I'm in, I'm in unity with that guy and those men, those, those people who were worshipping. I'm in unity because why? Because the life of Christ, by his grace, is planted in my, in my life. So be blessed, church, this morning. Yeah, yeah, I know some of this is challenging stuff. It's challenging to me. Challenging to me, can I say, who's preaching it. But somebody, but somebody once, once said, you know, some, you know, we all, you know, we like chocolate. Most of us like chocolate, don't we? And you've heard of chocolate eclairs, have you? Have you heard of chocolate eclairs? The problem with chocolate eclairs is the chocolate's behind something that's difficult to get through. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? If you've had one. The chocolate's behind a real hard coating. Sometimes we just have to break through what we think is the difficult bit of submitting ourselves to him and to his unity. And in doing that, you're right there into the bit that you want. Is there somebody here this morning and you just struggle with lots of things within your life? And the reason that you struggle with them, I, I want to tell you, there's somebody who's ready to walk alongside you in perfect unity. He's ready to take your hand in those difficult days and difficult nights. Is there somebody that just feels as though the soul is cast down within them. He's ready to bring you into a unity, a union. Yeah, with this church, praise God, but with him, with him. And that, you may seem far away. Yeah, you are far away. But do you know something? He's a prayer away. He's a prayer away. Let's pray, shall we? Help us to walk like this, Lord. Will you help us to walk like this? You said by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Lord, we, we want to be a witness for you in this town, in this village, in this vicinity, in this region, in this nation, in this world, we want to be a witness for you of a unity walking with you. 
and walking with one another. And if you, if you want to just find yourself joining, joining, I'm not saying joining this church, but I'm saying joining together with him. Or perhaps you'd like to pray. Pray after me. Lord Jesus, I do thank you this morning for your immense and immeasurable love for me. I thank you that such love took you to the cross where you gave yourself for me. And I want to tell you, Lord Jesus, this morning, I acknowledge my need of you. I need you, Lord Jesus. And I'm sorry for the things in my life that have separated me, that have caused division in my life away from you. I ask you to forgive me, wash me, and fill me with yourself that I might serve you in Jesus' name. Amen.